The galaxy is burning. Brother fights brother. And treason splits the Imperium of Man. This is the Age of Darkness. Whether you're a warrior of the Legionis Astartes, an adept of the Mechanicum, or just a mere mortal in a universe of madness, you'll find a place here. Welcome to the Remembrancer's Retreat, coming to you from within the depths of the Vengeful Spirit. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Remembrancers Retreat Podcast, a Warhammer 30k and Specialist Games Podcast. My name is Jesse. I'm here today with Austin and Jason. What's going on, guys? Hey. Not a whole lot so far. Uh, pumped to be back. Uh, return to the mother cast. <laughs> I know. I've, I've missed you, Jason. Thanks. So uh, this episode, we're going to go cover the generic units, the Army List Editions. From book nine, and it's covering uh, page 193 all the way to the end of the book. Yeah, and not, not like we don't also have a whole Titanicus book to get, a, get through at some point. Oh, right. That, that did drop. Ah, so good. Oh, man. It does exist. <laughs> we'll get there eventually, guys. Uh, speaking of Titanicus drops, uh, Night Atropos, my night house is complete. I could not be happier. Oh, nice. Right? How good are they? I would I mean, assume exceptional. A million little concussion hits. It's going to be hilarious. Don't stand too close to a building or they'll just keep running you into it. <laughs> or even the, um, not the Morax, the uh, the little stumpy Questorus Mechanicus Knights they just released a little while before. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, those have graviton guns. They hit automatically. Yes. That's so magnificent. Like this itty bitty <laughs> teeny little coaxial gun, like patink, knocks the Titan all screwy. Yeah. Just, oh my fucks, God. Can't be fucking with gravity, man. Uh, truly, there has never been better evidence that Nighthouses and Adeptus Titanicus were created to keep the Titan Legions from getting too comfortable. Mm. 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 Much like Militia and Astartes. It's true. They're very much the. Uh... Well, not second tier, but second class citizens in Titanicus. But if you're not paying attention, they will ruin everything you hold dear. And they will laugh while doing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, good times. Yeah, but that'll be for another episode farther on. Looking forward to that one. But right now we're going to get into the generic units. Starting with, uh, let's see, what do we want to start with? Legion Hussar Squadron. Yeah, the Pissars. Who wants to hit that one up first? I can go for this one. Okay. Uh, I'm definitely into speedy things right now. Yeah. We've been reading the uh, the red text, too. Okay. Way, so. Got it. Let's see here. <clears throat> Get my uh, heresy grad school voice out here. Armored bikers have been seen have seen use within the Legionis Astartes since their origins on Terra, fulfilling a variety of roles from reconnaissance to assault. Legion Hussars serve as an auxiliary force to the formations of heavy infantry that are the core of the legions. Screening their advance, and pursuing the foe once their volleys of bolt gun fire have set them to flight. They stand as the first line of defense for a legion host, ready to mount an assault into the teeth of the enemy to buy their brother's time to take up position before retreating back to open a line of fire for the tactical squads at their back. 
Only the most steadfast and disciplined of a legion's assault cadre are assigned as hussars, warriors that can be relied upon in the heat of battle. For overzealous assaults can easily leave a hussar squadron outnumbered and overwhelmed by the foe, or worse can leave the infantry they shield vulnerable to counter-assault. Those that serve amongst their number are and excel are counted amongst the elite of the legion, and many officers of the Legionis Astartes have borne the title hussar. So, uh, these guys I'm a huge fan of. Um, I feel like they get passed over a little bit because nothing kind of jumps out as being impressive at first glance. But uh, compared to normal bikers, they have quite a few things that might not be immediately apparent. So they can't take the special weapons of a bike squad. So no twin link flamers, no twin link plasma guns, melt guns, any of that business. Uh, however, two important things that should jump out at you. One, uh, these guys are troops. Just like a tactical support squad, uh, they are a support squad, so they can't be your compulsory. But these are bikes in the troop slot. That's terrific. Mm -hmm. uh, they are 30-point-a-model bikes in the troop slot, which is better still. Uh, I'm a little biased, but... World Eaters get terrific use out of bikes. Uh, and I think these are just the exact same as they would Outriders. Uh, you're going to get a charge. That charge is going to be terrific. And you're going to have a free chain axe while you're doing it. It's great stuff. But uh, another special point to uh, kind of take a hint of here. Uh, they have hit and run as a special rule, which is spectacular. Uh, hit and run's kind of overlooked. It's like one of those little uh, utility special rules that doesn't get a lot of screen time. But um, it's pretty spectacular because if you're a Legion that works on charge bonuses, it gives you the option of disengaging from a combat. Uh, one, to recoup that charge bonus at your leisure or attack another squad that may be a better use of your hussars. But it also gives you the chance to stay safe in a combat that shouldn't do as much damage as being out in the open would uh, for the entire enemy army to shoot at. So it's terrific for a little light assault squad like these guys to just have it inherently. And two, uh, math-wise, so looking at their war gear here, you've got bolt pistol, chainsword, frag and crack, power armor, and twin link bolters. So twin link bolters, pretty good. Like, can't complain. Um, but I think math-wise, the snub rotor cannons might be the better way to go. As a militia player, I have to take a firm stance against rotor cannons. <laughs> of course, twin-linked uh, rotor cannons. They are cannons. war crime and should not be permitted on the battlefield. Well, I mean, if you had to choose between, say, irradiation engines and snub rotor cannons. Take my chances. <laughs> <laughs> but it's 10 points for, the whole, for a model to do it, though. Do you think that's worth it? I, I think it might be. The math does work out in favor of the snub rotor cannon when you're shooting at toughness 3, 4, and 5 models. 
because uh, you're probably not getting through the armor of either one, and mm -hmm. bikes are relentless, so you're going to get the maximum number of shots regardless. Mm -hmm. I don't like the super short range, I'll admit, because if you're in within 12 inches, you're in assault range, so that means you're either uh, shooting yourself out of an assault or making an assault uh, charge range more difficult for yourself, or you are definitely going to be charged by the enemy next turn. Which matters a little less when you have hit and run, but it's not a great thing. Yeah. Ideally, you'd still be the one doing the charging. No. But I don't know. Maybe you're right. Maybe it's not worth 10 points a model. If it was a free swap, I'd say 100% every time. But it's not. It's 10 points, which would also get you like a hand flamer or a plasma pistol or two-thirds of a power fist on your sergeant. <laughs> <laughs> which is probably going to be more worth it unless you're playing the militia army that I was telling you guys about before we started, which sinks its points into everything but infantry and still manages to bring 150 of them. Because, mm. uh, well, you'll you'll need Salvo 4-5 at strength 3 just to make the fight eventually winnable. Or like those... Uh, what are they, Tech thralls that mech have? What are the little mech swarmy guys they can get? Yeah, they add secularis. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that there can be just a billion of them. Mm -hmm. Then a snub rotor cannon. I'd, then, then, I'd, then I'd take it. Because yeah, oddly enough, the tech thralls, for some reason that seems completely counterintuitive to me, they're strength four, toughness three. Mm -hmm. And while on the one hand that does make their heavy chain blades uh, strength six, AP four, which is pretty great on like a eight-point infantry model, it seems really weird that their strength is higher than their toughness. Yeah, I, I'm not sure why that's a thing, but I mean, eh, Maybe it's still... to make sure, like, their whole feel-no-pain, because they can definitely... Yeah, that it doesn't get too good. Yeah, easily get you. a four- or three-plus feel-no-pain Yeah, without even feel trying no that hard. Feel-no-pain is great until the strength six comes out. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Same thing with the, I guess that is keeping in line with like a secretary. If they were toughness four, they would just be a complete nightmare. Yeah. But I do like the Hussar squadrons just for all the fun things that you can add them into, right? Like all those bike lists that were mm -hmm. needing an, an interesting troop choice. Yeah. Now this with being book nine, Probably some of these squadrons were probably built with some idea that you might be using the Dark Angel rules with them as well. Um, these might also be fun for Night Lords, because Talent for Murder counts bikes as more than one dude, right? Oh, yeah. That's true, too. I think they count as three. I That's what say. I want to say. Um, bulky is two. Yeah. Very bulky is bulky three. Bulky is two. Very bulky is three. If, I'm assuming that, because I think that was how it was before. Robots are five. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Oh, that reminds me, um, since we were talking about Ravenwing, just a small aside, I saw a ton of discussion on the internet right after the book dropped. Uh, like, okay, run, I get that. What's a thrust move? I heard that question so many times. Mm -hmm. A thrust move is specifically the move a jetpack, not a jump pack, uh, model gets for the assault phase. So you, tr you know, trade in a charge or something to get that... Uh, God knows I'm so old, so I remember this as the Tau jump, shoot, jump method. <laughs> uh, but yeah, a thrust move is the assault 2d6 move jetpack infantry get in the assault phase. 
Fun fact. So with that, with there's a few uh, mechanic stuff that has jump packs, right? Jet packs. Or jet packs, excuse me. <laughs> um, with the, uh, oh, what's the HQ that can take robots? I always forget. The Pravian. The Pravian. Uh, I know it can take Castlax. Can mm-hmm. it also, is there a robot that can have a jump pack or not, jet pack? Not an automata, <laughs> funnily enough, uh, but a Pravian and I think a Forge Lord can purchase a Cortex controller. Mm-hmm. But when you have a Cortex controller in your Astartes list, you can purchase a single unit of Castellax or Thalax from the Mechanicum list as a heavy support choice. Mm-hmm. Now, Thalax have jump packs, right? Thalax have jump packs. So with this... Oh, God, now I'm doing it. Thalax have jet packs. <laughs> <laughs> so a model with a special rule, and any models in a unit with the Legionus... Okay, they still need the Dark Angels rule, but I don't know if they can take that or not. They I don't do. think... So... If anybody can figure out how to get jet packs in a Legionis Astartes list outside of that weird Cortex Controller Thalax thing. I mean, maybe it's just a sign of things to come. Maybe so. That would be entertaining. But something to think about. Oh, also, going back to these uh, sign rules, Dreadwing. Allows you to, uh, you can choose to move to four inches through difficult terrain rather than rolling any dice. And you get to re-roll failed dangerous terrain ch- tests. So for bikes. Yeah. Oh, nobody likes, is... nobody likes smacking their bikes against trees. Yeah, no. that is pretty nice. But yeah, I think we've uh, gone through the Hussar Squadron enough. Yeah. They're fun. They're exciting. Got a, the next up is the Legion Jet Bike Sky Seeker Squadron. So, the light S-Talk jet bite is an uncommon sight amongst most legions, renowned for its speed, advanced optics, and auger systems, but lacking the robust armor of the larger scimitar pattern jet bikes. Those companies fortunate enough to field squadrons of Sky Seekers use them as advanced reconnaissance units, securing a vital advantage on the field of battle with an ease few other vehicles can match. Capable of outrunning most foes they are unable to defeat, Sky Seekers determine the enemy's most dangerous assets and direct fire from heavy weapons at the rear of the Legiones Astartes advance to annihilate them. The Achilles heel of the Estoc is its onerous maintenance routine and tendency to mechanical failure in harsh environments, leading many legions to see them as much of a liability as an asset. <laughs> many of the tech priests assigned to the legions claim the Estoc houses a rebellious machine spirit and often insist that they be housed in separate vaults of the armory to other vehicles, <laughs> presumably so they're bad, like, it's like having the bad kids all in their own class so they don't uh, taint the good ones. In many of the legions that serve the Emperor, its operators prone to indulging in a number of odd rituals intended to defeat the supposed curse of their mounts. Jesse, what the hell is it with uh, Astartes things in this book suddenly doing odd rituals <laughs> while ostensibly loyal? What's What's going on with that? Yeah, where's that Imperial Truth at? I don't see anything here that says yeah. anything about Dark Angels. Honorous maintenance routine. <laughs> I didn't you just say these were made with the Dark Angels in mind? I'm just, <laughs> just saying. Uh, <laughs> but I, I like that the fact, and I, I didn't notice this when I was first reading through all of it, that they're not like a normal jet bike. Yes. 
Like it's a very specific type of jet bike that's smaller than the other ones. So I wonder if we're going to be seeing new jet bike models. Be exciting. That would be lovely. Potentially. Although for a single unit. Like ostensibly, eh, the uh, the S-Talk might see themselves in use other places. All right. I mean, because it very, it very, it calls them out specifically as being like not as well armored, mm-hmm. slightly smaller. So like you might, Which uh, also reflects why they have a three up save instead of a two up. Oh yeah, that is Ooh, an important yeah. thing to touch on. <laughs> the scimitars do have that two up save. Yeah, you're just relying yeah. on your power armor at that point. Looks like, but you yeah. still get your extra toughness. Yeah, so it's. It's not, which isn't the end of the world. And like no. it's three of three dudes. They're only a hundred points. Like, uh, you can take seven more for twenty-five a piece, which seems real cheap for a jet bike, dude. Yeah, that's actually a little <laughs> odd because they're what thirty-three points a model because it's a hundred points for three. Where the hussars mm-hmm. are thirty points a model, so a little less. Hussars actually cost thirty points for extra ones. The sky seekers only cost twenty-five. I thought that yeah. was kind of interesting. Hmm. So I think part of the reason these guys are cheaper to add on is uh, their special ability here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Oracle Array. So a model equipped with an Oracle Array counts as having an augury scanner. Uh, in addition, a unit which has at least one model with an Oracle Array may designate a single enemy unit within 12 and line of sight of the unit at the start of the controlling player's shooting phase. Until the start of the controlling player's next turn... All friendly units with the Legion as a Stardust plus a rule add plus one to all to hit rolls made against the designated unit during the shooting phase. That is fan fucking tastic. Uh, it's not cumulative, so if you mark them, you know, two separate units, it doesn't get you anything more. You don't get plus two to hit. However, get a uh, master of signals in there. Mm-hmm. Enjoy that. Uh, <laughs> And designating a target unit counts as a shooting attack for the entire Skyseekers unit in that shooting phase. And I think that is the reason why it's cheaper to add more. Because you're ostensibly paying to then not shoot that model in the shooting phase. And as also point out, this is a support squad as opposed to the Hussars, which are... Oh, no. Hussars are support as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. so I thought they, they were compulsory. Negative. No, so, no. So still... They're both support. Yeah, this is a troop choice. Should yeah. should have pointed that out earlier. It is a troop choice. Which is great. Uh, mm-hmm. It is. Uh, you can give them heavy rotor cannon, which, like, when we were going back and forth on the friggin' snub rotor cannon, being mm-hmm. like, well, mm-hmm. it's probably not worth it in most situations. Uh firm agreement from me that the heavy rotor cannon is worth the replacement. Yeah, then you're just as expensive as it's, a Hussar. But... It's like two different people wrote these rules. Cause the... <laughs> so to go, you'll re- you'll remember, dear listener, the snub rotor cannon was 10 points a model for a 12-inch range, strength 3, AP 6, salvo 4-5 to replace your twin link bolters. Eh! Uh, this is five points to replace your twin lead bolter with range 30, strength 4, AP 6, salvo 3, 4. Which the like, 30 inch a... range is nice. But yeah, the like it's. One downside there is it's no longer twin linked. Yeah, like it's no longer twin linked. And like. 
you're still theoretically giving up all of those shots when you use the Oracle array, which I assume is the other reason why it's a cheaper upgrade. Mm -hmm. um, or you can really have hate, get all the hate from your opponent because uh, you can give them grenade launchers for 10 points a model with frag and crack. And you can lay down 10 frag oh, templates. they all can. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. That is a yeah. little silly. <laughs> or crack grenades. Crack, crack grenades. grenades just... But I, I play militia. I know what's coming my way. <laughs> Here's the thing that I feel makes this unit a little harder to use, though. Uh, heavy rotor cannons, 30-inch range. Twin link bolters, 24. Same thing with a grenade launcher. The Oracle array is only a 12-inch range. It is, yes. Which I feel can be problematic because, again, 12 inches is assault range. Uh, yeah, and these don't have hit and run. They do not. They do have scout, though, which is fun. But is that a standard for jet bikes? It is not. Um, I feel like it does make them a little harder to use than a, the Hussars because, again, they don't have hit and run, and if you're hitting something with that Oracle array, you are either in range to charge or be charged, which might not be the best place for these guys unless it's a small unit. Yeah, I think running these at minimum squadron might be your best bet. Scout them up ahead and just... These are definitely sacrificial mm -hmm. units, in my opinion. Two, See, though, so, like the Hussars, they're troops and super fast, so they're terrific for maybe assaulting a depleted unit off of an objective later in the game where they're not risking that return fire as much. That's true. And with, so, if they all so agree, hear me out, guys. Yeah, yeah. This, this is my thought. Take three, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, give them all the heavy rotor cannons, give them a melt, the one, you know, obligatory five-point bomb. if you've got those five points laying around. Mm -hmm. And what they do early game is they go mark enemy tanks uh, because they don't give a shit about being within 12 inches of a tank because it's not going to charge them. Uh, so you just run around in the backfield designating the enemy's you know, fire support units to be annihilated by your own heavy support. Uh, and then late game, like uh, Jason was saying, you then have a super fast unit that's probably, you know, it might only be one guy, but hey, he can go 36 inches across the table and grab an objective turn six, you know? Yeah. And I just like having a 30-inch rotor cannon because for 15 points, <laughs> the extra range, you know. Yeah. The amount of times I've needed to shoot, like, one Space Marine off an objective, mm -hmm. right? 30-inch mm -hmm. range, strength four, 12 shots. So yeah. and get the job done. Yeah. And for 100 points, even if a three-model unit, there's still plenty of utility there. Yeah, so that would be 120 points for for that, you know, kit. Yeah. Well, more well than worth, worth it. it. Yeah. Yeah, this is a solid little squad. I mean, the 6th Legion doesn't like jet bikes um, <laughs> because had had the Emperor meant man to fly, he would have given us all wings instead of just that mutant Sanguinius. <laughs> um, but I might have to find... Find space for three of these. I love how you can consistently find excuses for Space Wolves being terrified of post-Bronze Age technology. They don't. They don't <laughs> like jump packs. They don't like jet bikes. They don't like speeders. 
They, they don't like dreadnoughts. They don't know. It's just not cool, man. <laughs> it's weird. They, they name all of their flyers like weird, shitty, disparaging names because they don't particularly like them either. Like they're Thunderhawks. Like the, or not a Thunder. Yeah, it was a Thunderhawk in Inferno. That's, you know, this is a plate of what a Thunderhawk looks like in six Legion colors. And its name is like Vulture. Like Fenrisian <laughs> for Vulture. Just like. <laughs> fucking thing but uh yeah i i could see a lot of a uh, fun use out of this mm-hmm. and also it would be a uh an effective model lakes that are like the stubby ones because these are supposed to be stubby compared to the actual yeah. glorious heresy ones yeah <laughs> good point so moving on we have the uh what I think is probably one of the more fun models from 2020. Did it come out in 2020? Or did it come out last year? I think 2019. Ah, yeah. Nothing good came out in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair enough. Uh, the Legion Saber Strike Tank. You know it. You love it. I love it. I know it. Fast attack. 65 points per model. Fast, rugged, and heavily armed. The Saber serves the Legionis Astartes as a strike tank attacking key enemy targets and destroying them long before they can pose a threat to any army. Fitted with a number of advanced weapon systems, from rapid-fire autocannon to exotic beam weapons, there were few foes that could resist the firepower of a full squadron of these swift hunters. Once the foe is annihilated, the speed of these fleet vehicles allows them to evade any counterattack and reform to strike at the vulnerable flanks of the enemy army, keeping the heavy armor suppressed as the Space Marine infantry advances to crush the foes of the Emperor. The Sabre is the first of a new breed of Space Marine armored vehicles, much like the prototype Sakaran, the result of the stilled experience of the Great Crusade. It carries a variety of technological wonders, newly forged by the adepts of the Mechanicum, from advanced cogitator arrays to multi-axle drive coats. All intended to allow the tank to be operated by a single Space Marine, it embodies a new mobile style of war, a departure from the static gun lines of the early Great Crusade. The Legion Strike Tank composition unit of 1-2. It is a fast tank vehicle. Armor is 4. Or, I'm sorry, ballistic skill 4. Armor, front, side, rear. 12, 11, 10 respectively. 3 hull points, which is nice. It is uh, equipped with 1 hull-mounted anvilist snub autocannon. 1 hull-mounted heavy bolter. Smoke launchers, searchlight, and auxiliary drive. Uh, the strike tank may be taken as a fast attack choice in the Space Marine Legion Detachment, as found, as found in Legionus Astartes Age of Darkness Army List book. Alright, so, any Saber Strike Tank may exchange its snub autocannon for one of the following. A Neutron Blaster for 20 points, a Volkite Saker for free. It may exchange its Heavy Bolter for one of the following. A Multi Melta for 25, a Volkite Culvern for 15, or a Heavy Flamer for free. They may take a pentel-mounted weapon, either a twin-linked bolter for 5 points, combi weapon for 5 points, which is really good, and a havoc launcher for 15. All Saber Strike tanks in the squadron may take any of the following options, and all vehicles must select the same upgrades. Up to 4 Saber missiles for 5 points each, armored ceramite for 20 points for some reason, and extra armor for 10. 
Moving on to the weapons, the uh, Snub Auto Cannon, its main gun is 24 inch range, strength 8, AP 4, heavy 2, twin linked, and sunder. Not too shabby. The Neutron Blaster is a 24 inch range, strength 9, AP 2, heavy 1, concussive, shock pulse. The Volkite Saker, 24 inch range, 6 strength, AP 5, heavy 6, deflagrate. And finally, the Saber Missiles, 36-inch range, strength 6, AP 4, heavy 1, 1 use, missile lock, and rending. So, I think this is one of the more fun units that we've seen in the recent history of the Horus Heresy. Uh, I personally enjoy using them as Volkite platforms. You throw the Saker on there and the culvern, and you've got 10 strength 6 AP5 shots. No fuss, no muss. Definitely great. Put them in a unit together. Yeah. And it's 20... And they're a cool-looking sh- cool tank, man. They are, and they're fast. And with having... Like... Yeah, like, if you haven't seen one in person, they're slightly smaller than a rhino. But they look very uh, aggressive. And I like the whole, like a whole mounted main gun, right? I'm, mm-hmm. I remember the old Forge World, the Lehman Rust Destroyer tank hunters, mm-hmm. and that just it makes me very happy. <laughs> yeah, that is kind of like a tiny, tiny destroyer. Yeah, yeah, they're doing the best with the gifts God gave them, mm-hmm. which turns out to be quite a lot. Like, yeah, I, I love these little guys. I wish I had some. And I love because they have each of the weapons are designed for something completely different. Uh, you have the auto cannon for a, you know, medium armor, the neutron blaster for heavy armor or super heavies. If you want to get really ballsy with it and lock them up with shock pulse and concussion, 24 inch range. Yeah. yeah. And the Volkite Saker in a pinch for medium armor, medium or light and definitely infantry. My militia do not like that Volkite Saker. No, <laughs> Although it'll still take a while for it to chew through them, even with the deflagrate. I kind of doubt it, to be perfectly honest with you. I think yeah, because so. no, <laughs> it ignores their armor. You have a squadron of two or three of these? That's true, that's true. I keep forgetting they have such armor. <laughs> AP5, like no armor, no feel, no pain, wounded on a two-up. Thanks for playing. <laughs> Every dead Marking guy. those fucking seekers. Right, is more or less worst. just automatically another dead guy. Yeah, yeah. so... The, these are probably killing, like, that one volley would be uh, enough. <laughs> eight to ten, I feel like, is probably a good good number. Oh, easily. It's a little yep. gross. Missile, the missile lock rule is offhand. <laughs> we got a little blurb on the right-hand side from Lord Castellan Verakian of the 7th Legion at the height of the Siege of Enwit. The galaxy burns, yet amid the chaos, carnage, and disaster, squadrons of saber tanks remain resolute, wheeling through the smoke at speed to find their mark. They are the perfect strike tank, embodying the Legion's ferocious nature. Okay, is that an officer in the 7th Legion, or is he really trying to, like, offload some saber tanks from his dealership, like, before <laughs> the end of the year? <laughs> Should I trust uh, what a 7th Legion Castellan Right, you think tanks would be the last thing he's worried about. Yeah, I mean, he's not exactly... Fast strike tank? (laughs) Right? I mean, it's all relative, right? I'm sure it seems fast to him, but I mean, so does a 
easy trot. Like, <laughs> castles aren't that fast, right? Like, it's kind of like a white scar talking to you about how incredibly disciplined someone is. Like, <laughs> are they bro or just compared to you? <laughs> but, yeah, back with the saber, I think this is the cheapest way you can get shock pulse on anything for, let's see, a minimum of 85 points. You can lock up knights, super heavies, yeah, with hilarious yeah. abandon. I wouldn't try locking up a knight because they could still charge you. That's fair. They would just have to snap shoot at you on the way in. <laughs> That's true. But you can lock out their uh, battle cannon that's tearing apart other people, though. Oh, yeah, 100%. I'm not saying it's a bad idea. Just do it outside of charge range. Yeah, yeah, do it at 24 inches. Yeah, if you if you got a super heavy versus a, a knight, probably go for the super heavy. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, for like a shadow sword or something, I mean... 90 points to lock down a 500 point super heavy <laughs> is spectacular. Uh, don't buy the armored ceramite. Yeah. Just just don't do it. It's a fourth of its cost over again. It's <laughs> I'm not sure why it's there. Any if you get close enough that a melta gun can hit you, it's going to get through your armor anyway with 1d6, 2d6 mm. or negative d3. It doesn't Yeah, matter. you're you're f- your front and side 12, boss. It's not going <laughs> to save you. Yeah, although, you know, I guess turn from that sure thing into a 50-50 shot. Well, less than 50 because you still glance, so yeah, it's not worth it for sure. Just run these guys up. Fast attack, strike tanks, which are nice. Yeah, yeah, it is a nice fast fast attack choice. But these were great back in the uh, pre-Book 9 days where you have Ballistic Skill 5 on this, when you have a Squadron of 2. Right. That was really nice, especially with uh, 20 shots of Volkite. It is nice they uh, have fast, too, so they can still move and fire two weapons. Mm-hmm. Yes. That is lovely. All right. Who wants to take on the big old Terax pattern termite assault drill? Oh, I got this one because I got feelings. Yeah, I feel like Jason has to take this one. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, kids, buckle in. Uh, originally designed on Terra for the task of rooting out and burrowing Xeno species during the Great Crusade, canny commanders quickly found use for the Terax pattern termite assault drill in tearing through the foundations of enemy bastions or emerging behind barricades or trench lines to lay waste to their defenders. A specialized transport vehicle, the termites capable of bringing a full squad of warriors to the battlefield whilst bypassing enemy auspex and atmospheric scanners. Similar in design to the boarding torpedoes launched from starships, the termite safely transports its passengers thanks to gyroscopic stabilization harnesses which limit impact and acceleration trauma. Above ground, it is sluggish and vulnerable to enemy fire and is usually carried to its launching point some distance from the actual battle zone by a dedicated cargo platform. Uh, However, underground, it is capable of tunneling rapidly through even the densest of materials at speeds comparable to surface transport craft. Rock, earth, and even hardened plast steel offered little hindrance to its grinding drill, which utilizes a linked array of melta cutters and phase shield generators to aid the vehicle's progress. Once at its target location, it emerges onto the surface or even directly into the lower level of macro fortifications, scattering nearby enemies with its melta cutters before disgorging its cargo. So, the termite is super fun, and 
it should remain fun for both you and your opponent. So, just a little bit of a breakdown on it. Uh, it's ballistic skill 4, front and side 12, rear 10, 3 hull points. Um, the Astartes get a slightly different version of it uh, for 80 points. Theirs has two twin-linked bolters. Objectively, I think it's the worst because the Mechanicum, Solar Auxilia, and Militia all get one with two heavy flamers. Now, the Mechanicum pay 85 points for it, the Solar Ox pay 80, and the Militia pay 75. But um, otherwise, they are identical. So, uh, they come with the Deep Strike, Subterranean, Death from Below, Melta Cutters, and Crawling Advance special rules. Uh, two access hatches to either side. A big deal, they have a transport capacity of 12, just like everybody wishes Land Raiders did. <laughs> And, it's true. Right? It's a big deal because for an Astartes or Aurochs. Score, right? And, oh God, the Aurochs. Poor Aurochs. <laughs> uh, we'll get to that in a second. I think the Aurochs kind of comes into its own because it's most of a Carnadon. But we'll get to that. Now, um, I think the two Heavy Flamers are much, much better than the two Twin Link Bolters. Now, you could argue... For a lot of flame template weapons on a vehicle, occasionally it can be difficult if it's not a super heavy to line them both up on one squad, but they're basically free, and it's way better than twin link bolters. Uh, Plus the termite is so narrow, you could twist it around oh yeah. and get both of those templates if you wanted to. Oh yeah. I mean, Yeah, if... you're coming in wherever you want, more or less. You can point it however you want. You'll be able to flame for somebody at least once. Now, uh, the Mechanicum and the Solar Auxilia can swap those out for Twin Link Volkite Chargers. I don't think that's a good idea at any point, uh, nor do I think it's a good idea to buy, like, the Blessed Auto Simulacra, because you don't care if this thing dies. It's like a drop pod. It does its job. It maybe knocks some wounds off a couple squads, and it annoys your opponent if they don't kill it. Now, uh, these are a little more aggressive than a drop pod uh motoring around six inches a turn uh firing heavy flamethrowers at stuff if they don't kill it is terrific and i think that presents a much better conundrum for your opponent um but next page over a couple of these rules before you get there i one point i do want to oh yeah fire mention away. is in the little box underneath everything going on over here on page 198 it mentions a termite assault drill may be taken as a dedicated transport option for Legion destroyer squads, Sikalax covenants, Imperial militia grenadier squads, Velotaris storm sections, and Auxilia flamer sections comprising entirely of infantry and numbering no more than 12 models. That being said, I believe this change for destroyers came out in this book. So. That is pretty great. Mm hmm. And 10 destroyers character apothecary uh it is pretty spectacular for uh the militia and velitaris too uh the fun thing with the militia uh austin and i are both adamant militia players and the fun thing about grenadiers is they don't get to buy special weapons for the initial squad you have to buy an extra dude with the special weapon mm -hmm. which means that first dude mm -hmm. you buy 
outsizes them for an Arvis or an Orox. However, you can... Which is so incredibly frustrating. Right? <laughs> because, I mean, up until now... We got no room for that weapon. <laughs> those were your choices. They apparently had the foresight to install a plasma gun rack in the termite. And it's spectacular because you can take 10 militia dudes in the grenadier squad, two special weapons, 12 guys, nice and neat. Very cool. Uh, same thing for, sort of the same thing for the uh, Velotaris. Uh, they're not quite as in need of that extra space, but uh, two heavy flamers and then 10 additional guys also with flamers, is great. Uh, it's pretty terrific. Uh, flame squads are amazing and overlooked in the Solar Auxilia army, which is an entire army that's overlooked. But I digress. <laughs> uh, so, uh, tipping over to that other page, we got to talk about some rules here, because I am very frustrated with the constant ridiculous back and forths with this thing on the internet. Now, everybody knows the internet is not a terrific place to take rules interpretations from, like talk to your buddies when you're playing them, talk to the person across the table from you. If you're at an event, talk to the TO. You guys know the spiel. Uh, but this seems to be a really widely held belief um, that People are using these things to rhino corral. And I'm dating myself a little bit with that reference. But uh, a rhino corral is using the, I want to say, 6th edition 40k rules to box in a squad uh, with two, three rhinos uh, that otherwise aren't doing much. And then tank shock another vehicle into them. They have nowhere to go. They're automatically removed because of it. Don't do that. Like, don't do that in 40K. I don't know how the 40K rules work now, but if you can do that, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't try to do that in 30K because it'll work exactly once and then nobody wants to play you again. Now, the thing here in Death From Below works a little bit different, but it's sort of the same deal. So uh, just going through it so we have a good place to start from. Instead of the usual rules for deep striking, when a subterranean assault vehicle enters play via deep strike, place the large blast on the table, scatter it to determine the final position as per deep strike. Initial placement of this marker before rolling for scatter may not be on top of impassable terrain or within one inch of any unit. So not yours, not theirs, not impassable terrain. Should this marker scatter on top of impassable terrain, a building, ruin, fortification, vehicle, or any unit engaged in combat, reduce the scattered distance by the minimum required to avoid that obstacle. If the marker representing the arrival of the termite was displaced in this way by a vehicle or fortification, the chosen vehicle or fortification closest, excuse me, vehicle or fortification to the marker immediately suffers a strength 10 AP nothing hit. Vehicles are hit on the side armor. That's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, if the arrival of the termite was instead displaced by any units engaged in close combat, all units, all units in that combat suffer D6, Strength 6, AP4 hits. After the final position of the marker is determined, if the marker covers or touches enemy, in, any enemy or friendly unit, then that unit also suffers D6, Strength 6, AP4 hits. Not a huge deal for Astartes, pretty big deal for Militia, 
first point to make that people seem to get a uh, little, um, we'll call it mistakes, but they seem to mistake a little bit. That's any unit, enemy or friendly, takes those hits. It doesn't just get bumped off to the side like a drop pod. Your units take those hits if you make a goofy scatter. Uh, next paragraph down. After that damage is resolved, the subterranean assault vehicle may be placed in any orientation so long as the center of the large blast marker is underneath part of the vehicle's hull and it remains one inch away from any fortification, vehicle, or unit engaged in combat. The area under the large blast is now difficult terrain for the rest of the game. Players may, should they wish to, instead represent this area with a piece of crater terrain. Now, all of that's well and good. Not a whole bunch of problems. The problem comes in in this last paragraph here. Should a subterranean assault vehicle be placed on top of any unit which does not pose an obstacle to its arrival as described above, the death from below special rule allows it to be placed as though the unit was not there. If some models in the unit would end up underneath the subterranean assault vehicle when it reaches its final position, it makes no difference whether the unit's falling back or not, these models must be moved by the controlling player out of the way by the shortest distance, leaving at least one inch between them and the subterranean assault vehicle, and indeed any other unit, whilst maintaining unit coherency and staying on the tabletop. Any models that can't manage this are crushed and removed from play as casualties with no saves allowed. First and foremost, right out front, the number of situations in which models should be crushed and removed from play as casualties with no saves are infinitesimal. Only under situations like the Rhino Corral, where you've got vehicles ringing a squad and you cram this on top of them, should that ever be a concern? First off, don't do that. It's <laughs> a dick move. It's going to maybe kill one squad, and your opponent is never going to want to play you again. Outside of that... Yes, this should only happen if your opponent refuses to walk out of the situation. Right? Exactly. We've all had We've all had those discussions, right? Whoop. <laughs> Well, that was alarming. <laughs> what was it like? 27, 2017, when that dreadclaw full of friggin' a thousand points of Emperor's Children came down <laughs> in the middle of militia. Everybody at that mega battle was like, "If you do this, they are all going to die." Don't do that. And he did it anyway. Like that's that's the only that's the only situation where this should happen is if you tell your opponent, "Hey, man, if you do that." When the termite comes in right there, everybody's going to die, and they go, nah. <laughs> and then after, like, you know, by all means, crush them to death. But otherwise, don't be that guy. I feel like this kind of, I guess I could kind of see if a board was really super dense and you ended up scattering screwy, but then you have a really big range of where you can put the termite in the first place. All you have to do is make sure that that five inch blast marker is somewhere under its hull. So it does give you a good degree of flexibility, mm -hmm. but so this feels like it requires almost like malicious intent to make happen because otherwise that squad is just going to get, casually bumped one inch away from 
everything else. It's not that big of a deal. Well, so here's here's the tricky part for me, and this is more like in mega battles and big games, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, or like you know you're playing thirty five hundred on a six by four. It's you must leave at least one inch between them and the subterranean assault vehicle, and indeed any other unit. So if you've got somebody jam packed, rules is written, you could come up in you know the middle of my hundred and fifty man blob of multiple units that are all tightly together. And because those guys can't move out because they would come within an inch of another friendly unit, they would be crushed to death. Right. So if you've got, you know, a tank parking lot because it's a mega battle and I've got to put, you know, my 15 rhinos somewhere, or I've got a sea of dudes, situations like that, I can see dudes getting crushed to death. Um, But in those instances, you know, if you're worried about, 10 dudes getting crushed to death in a mega battle. Like, bro, what are you doing? Again, very small, very niche situation. Mm-hmm. And again, like, you're not even going to notice 10 militia are gone. You bastard. <laughs> they all have names. They all have families who love them. Not to the emperor, they Unlike don't. Unlike your mindless... Oh, oh. <laughs> I run Trader Militia too. It's fine. The Dark Gods know their names. That's <laughs> true. Because very explicitly doesn't do them any good. The Dark Gods care about people under their sway. <laughs> Unlike yeah, the Emperor. Yeah, just not the way you want them to. <laughs> hey, it's a type of caring. <laughs> but yeah. Is but... it better than nothing, though? Really? <laughs> But yeah, very, very long discussion short. Don't be an asshole and crush units with termites because it kind of requires malicious intent, except under extremely niche circumstances. And your opponent's just going to not want to play you after that. Quit debating about it. Just don't do it. And termites are fun. And termites are fun. (laughs) Don't make termites not fun trundling this big chubby bastard around shooting off flamethrowers at people just to be a nuisance that's hilarious and that's super fun do that at six inches a turn <laughs> it's coming for you just be ready in a turn or so eventually <laughs> give it some time it'll get there so we're going to take a quick pause right here i had a little discussion with uh, miles david from little legend studios the other day and i'm going to play this segment right now Hey, we're here with a special segment today. I'm here with Miles David of Little Legend Studios, and he wants to uh, share upcoming Advent calendar. Yeah, we, th- this has been going on for like three years or so, and I thought, why not try and promote it a little bit more? So I've sent out messages to all my favorite podcasts. You were the very first person I contacted. Oh, well, thanks. <laughs> Quite honored. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I freaking love the show. Uh, you know, the older you get, the more discerning you get in your taste. And you, your podcast is one of the ones in my regular rotation. But I, I absolutely, absolutely love it. Uh, so I, I think I've got the pandering out the way. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> say, good thing this is a radio because I'm blushing so hard right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I thought I'd... I'd um, chance my arm invite myself on your show uh, to talk about what the hell exactly this advent calendar is especially because i'm so well known i'm so uh, i guess engrossed in the horse heresy and producing content and uh, tutorials for that so in december 
for the past three years running, every single day, a treat has been given to patrons, be it a tutorial or a giveaway or uh, some manner of ebook PDF. Uh, the Patreon, as it currently stands, uh, is coming up to five years next year. That's impressive. And every, yeah, every single thing that we've published on there is still available. And it's you can access it all for $15. And that's all it'll cost for the month of December. If you sign up uh, for the 1st of December, before the 1st of December, get in contact with me through the PM service. Uh, the, the, uh, yeah, send me a private message. Tell me you came through this podcast and I'll send you an exclusive um, color theory PDF tutorial. So it's a brief introduction into color theory and how it practically applies to our own miniatures. It's one of the things that my students or new patrons ask all the time. How do I improve color choice? And hopefully this PDF will give you a brief, brief explanation over how color works, how it interacts with each other and make you better at picking out a color palette as a brief introduction if you want to look up the martial uh sorry martian color palette online it's a whole new world to look at yep so this year we've really splashed out the boat here we i've managed to get some artwork done uh by a guy who did uh the age of darkness podcasts um uh, banner artwork so it's very much reminiscent of the rogue trader artwork i got like a little drunken elf dark elf very dark cool. elder uh like a smashed up santa uh, a bdsm elf yeah it oh, looks Lord. phenomenal <laughs> it looks freaking amazing really really we try to ham up the cliches when it comes to both warhammer and christmas for this sure and uh yeah so during the course of these uh, uh advent calendar openings every single day it will cover a wide range of subjects from color shifts to heavy weathering, to single piece characters. And on the 25th, you get an exclusive day, well, exclusive December only tutorial. So the first one we run, it was Delvaris, the full Delvaris uh, tutorial series. And last year it was oh, with the Saver of Kalth. His name escapes me right now. Remus Ventanus, that's the one. Yeah. Uh, this year, I'm not going to tell you who it will be, but yeah, it's an exclusive uh, tutorial series sent to your inbox. So even if you aren't present, because who the hell is watching tutorials Christmas Day? It's there. <laughs> it's waiting for you to watch in January when everything calms down and goes back to normal and you are not stressed or worked off your feet at all. Um, so that 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 is the uh, thrust. That, those are the talking points I have written down in my notes app. <laughs> in front of me when it comes to the advent calendar. Uh, so all these are accessed for $15. That gives you access to the entire month and every single tutorial we've built up so far. So last month, the line was released full 4K PDF, uh, sorry, full 4K video tutorial series with PDF support. Uh, we have Sanguinius on there currently. We have, um, uh, who else, Dawn. Uh, we have uh, Magnus, Lehman Russ, and uh, Alpharius, of course, his name would escape me. But yeah, uh, we have tutorials for all of the legions. Little caveat, apart from uh, being a little bit naughty here, apart from the Raven Guard and the Space Wolves, who are coming in the new year. So if you're a heresy fan, and if you aren't and you're listening to this podcast, uh, why? But if you are a heresy <laughs> fan, 
it's well worth signing up for the price of a bad pizza, especially over Christmas, because we all got money to burn, right? And uh, so that Patreon is at Patreon. Uh, just look for a Little Legend Studio. Yeah, type in Patreon Little Legend Studio, and it'll hopefully it's the first thing that comes up on Google. If you're a patron as well, let me know what you want to see on there as well. I'm taking requests all the time. In fact, most of the tutorials coming up next month will be purely based on Patreon feedback. So if you do come, please interact, ask questions, engage. That's what's there for. To get the most out of it, you need to ask questions. You need to quiz me. Very cool. Well, uh, so Miles, with uh, 2020 nearly coming to a close, what was your favorite model to paint this year? Has to be the lion. Yeah. I'm not sure whether it's... <laughs> purely because it's the most recent one, but we haven't had a Primark sculpt to paint or really gush over since Sanguinius. Mm -hmm. So it's been lovely to feel like you're getting somewhat back to normal no, by having... It. And I, I personally am probably a little bit biased, but being a Dark Angels player, but I got to say the Lion model itself is probably one of my favorites. I, so I, this is a frequent argument I have with one of my friends uh -huh. and our decisions change constantly. It's like being asked what your favorite meal is. Oh, sure. It changes depending on <laughs> time of the day or temp time of the year. Yeah. But yeah, from the pose, I mean, it's it's dynamic. It, I know some people don't like the Gilliman sculpt because it's quite static. Some people don't like the uh, Korak sculpt because it's the opposite side of the spectrum because it's so dynamic. Mm -hmm. But I think the lion has that beautiful poise between the two. Yeah. It's like statuesque, but active at the same time. Yeah, and two head options as well, two sword options. Yeah. Yeah. Nice to see a helmet for a change. I'm glad they did that. It's a good helmet as well. How about you, 2020? Favorite model of the year? Oh, again, the lion is really high up there, but honestly, I really enjoy the Deathwing Knights they came out with, the companions. Oh, yeah. I have it's... them sitting right in front of me on this desk, and I have them magnetized with uh, jetpacks, and haven't started painting those yet either, but I am a. Uh, they're probably some of my it's... favorite Dark Angel models. It's surprising the level of detail on them. I mean, I, I know you can see promotional pictures of them, and mm -hmm. I, the, the the paint jobs, sure, they're slightly shifted in focus now, but they're still solid paint jobs. But when you hold them in person, like the you thing see. that really took, yeah, the thing that really took me by surprise is the um, elbow guards, the detail sculpted on them. All the ribbing and everything, yes. Yeah, yeah, they're really, really fantastic selves. And I, I quite like their stature as well. They're a little bit bigger than the earlier heresy stuff. Whew. I can't think of any, because who, who else we had this year? Kinzar? We're still waiting yeah. on Saul Tarvitz. Yeah, yeah. Where do you fall on the, uh, is it plastic or is it resin <laughs> debate? Because I want my it to be plastic, but I, my, my gut says it's not. But <laughs> My heart wants plastic. My head says resin. Yeah. <laughs> but I really hope my heart is right with this one. Uh, so have, have you seen many murmurings? Okay, let me qualify this right off the bat. Sure. I'm a part of a few uh, like groups of hobbyists, and there's the rumor circulating of plastic heresy. Mm -hmm. I, I think somebody's mentioned it offhand in one group. It, kind of, it goes through that echo chamber, then it reinforces itself with multiple retellings. <laughs> I'd love there to be plastic heresies to become that, but oh, I just... 2020 has taught me not to be hopeful. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 been definitely a lesson in patience this year. Mm, yeah, you know? very much so. I can see. I mean, we've been talking about plastic heresy for a while now. I think everybody has ever since um, betrayal at Kalf came out. And like, when are we going to yeah. get the rhinos? And 
and the salt marines and the jet bikes and the sakarans yeah but i don't know you know it, it's so hard to envision what the future will bring because at the end of the day who would have expected plastic sisters to come out when they did or, yeah or a complete revamp of the necron range right that was that one came out of nowhere for me mm-hmm. yeah and to produce so much as well it was such a short period of time considering they've revamped the entire line yeah the entire everything <laughs> i mean if games workshop could do it but uh, one thing we were talking on our podcast um, a couple weeks ago is i'd love if they just went for horus heresy just releases in the same uh, schedule as titanicus nothing major maybe like just a unit or two or three per book released mm-hmm. either quarterly or every four or five months and that would definitely uh satiate my hunger for heresy <laughs> yeah and it would be nice to have the same level of i guess community support as well that Mm -hmm. games like uh necromunda get or or titanicus a a clear roadmap of what's happening over the next six months to three months i'm thinking with the six i'm i feel like those are pretty successful lines and maybe the fact that they see that they may uh shift gears in the future i mean uh andy hall has moved from uh headed development of specialist games over to the horse heresy oh that's true i forgot about that Ever that guy touches turns to gold. So hopefully he can have that same Midas effect when it comes to the heresy. Well, fingers crossed, and I'm excited for next year. But Yeah, me too. 2021, uh, if you can avoid uh, the robots, if you can avoid the... Uh, okay, I don't want to make this too political, so I'm not going to say any of that <laughs> stuff. But yeah, if you can avoid the roving zombies, if that's going to come in 2021, yeah, it's going to be a cracking year. Definitely. Well, Miles, I appreciate you coming on today, and I hope your uh, your Patreon Advent calendar is successful, and everybody gives it a shot, take a look at it, and enjoy. And tell them they tell them we sent you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on again. And guys, if I don't get to say it beforehand, Merry Christmas, mm, Merry Christmas, and Happy Holidays. And we're back. Uh, so continuing on with our generic units, we have the big boy Legion Arquiter Bombard. And this was in 2019. I thought it was this year, but my God, mm-hmm. no. It was scattered around a model at a time over 2019. <laughs> it is a addictive drip feed. Yes. So the Legion Arquiter Bombard. The Arquiter Pattern Bombard is a heavy artillery platform designed to operate at the, f- eh, at the forefront of a Legionus Astartes advance. Equipped with a reinforced chassis and brutal short-ranged firepower, it is called upon to break the most stubborn of fortifications or to annihilate massed enemy infantry and armor. The heavy guns and missiles most often carried by the indomitable Arquiter Bombard are more than capable of removing any obstacle to the advance of a Space Marine host in a series of devastating explosions. As an infantry support platform, the Arquiter lacks the sheer speed of some of the other heavy armor employed by the Legionus Astartes, an intentional feature of the vehicle that keeps it locked in formation with the infantry it supports. Hmm. The Space Marines of any infantry force take heart from the sight of an Arquiter squadron, knowing the hulking artillery pieces will see them through the most ferocious firefights without pause. Indeed, many of these vehicles have built lasting legends of valor among the warriors that fight in their shadow, tokens of praise and icons of victory adorning their heavy plate. That is interesting because I remember when these things came out, we we're like, why is it such a short range? And here's the fluffy reason why: because they go right in alongside infantry squadrons. I thought that was kind of neat. 
the Legion Arquiter Bombard is 140 points a model. Unit composition of 1 to 3. Ballistic skill 4. Armor 12, 12, 10. 4 hull points. It is a heavy tank vehicle. Uh, default war gear. 1 hull mounted Morbus heavy bombard. 2 Sponson Mountain heavy bolters. Smoke launchers, a searchlight, an auxiliary drive. And may be taken as a heavy support choice in the Legionis Astartes Age of Darkness Army List book. It may change out its heavy bombard for one of the following, a graviton charge cannon or a spicula rocket system for free. Any bombard may exchange both its sponson-mounted weapons, sponson-mounted heavy bolters for two sponson-mounted autocannons for 10 points and may take a pencil-mounted twin-link bolter or combi bolter for 5 points, or a havoc launcher for 15. All awkward bombards in the squadron may take any of the following options, and all must select the same upgrade. Armored Ceramite for 20 points, or extra armor for 10. Now, we talked about these when they came out over the uh, last year, but we're obviously we're revisiting now. Uh, the Morbus Heavy Bombard has two types of shells. Uh, I'm going to read through here. Pattern on the more common demolisher cannon, the Morbus Heavy Bombard was developed to deploy the insidious carcass shell during trench and siege warfare. Carcass shells exchange the sheer explosive power of more regular munitions in order to pack the shell casing with short-lived but deadly phage contaminants. Neat. These horrendous bioweapons are capable of rendering an unarmored warrior to little more than gore-splattered bones in a few seconds. Lovely. Uh, so the two shells. We have explosive shells at 24-inch range, strength 10, AP2, ordnance 1, barrage, large blast. Sounds very similar to, you know, the demolisher cannon, except this one has barrage. Uh, carcass shells, 24-inch range as well, strength 2, AP4, ordnance 1, barrage, large blast, flesh bane, ignores cover, and pinning. We have the Graviton Charge Cannon. An exotic application of Graviton technology, the Graviton Charge Cannon fires energized canisters at impact among the enemy's ranks, emitting a Graviton field of such strength that it binds infantry to the earth and crushes delicate circuitry and electronics. Adept at not only destroying the enemy, but also critically disrupting their advance, these weapons are highly valued among the Legionis Astartes. 24-inch range, uh, strength X, or strength asterisk, AP4. Uh, Ordnance 1, large blast, 5 inches, barrage, concussion, graviton pulse, and haywire. And I can never remember what graviton pulse is off the top of my head. That's the strength check for a wound. And finally, the spicular rocket system. And this one is pretty interesting. I thought this was one of the more interesting uh, mechanics-wise that we haven't seen in a while. Very unique. The Spicula is a very simple weapon system, a large rack of unguided rockets set to fire in rippling salvos at point-blank range where their inaccuracy of, is of little consequence. The space that might otherwise have held guidance electronics is instead used for larger, more destructive warheads, sheer firepower making up for its lack of sophistication. Uh, the Spicula rockets have a 24-inch range, strength 7, AP 3. Ordnance 1, blast either 5-inch or 7-inch, Rocket Salvo, Sunder, and Wrecker. 
So Rocket Salvo, when firing the specular rocket system, choose a target point within range. Note that the target point does not have to be on a model's base. Pretty unique in of itself. And place a blast marker of one of the following sizes. 5 inch or 7 inch. Once placed, scatter the blast marker as normal. Each unit under the blast marker's final position suffers a number of hits based on the blast marker's size, as shown on the table below. If the 7-inch blast marker is used and a 6 is rolled on the D6, then the weapon has exhausted its ammunition and may no longer be fired. So if a unit is hit with a 5-inch blast, it suffers 5 hits. And if it's hit with a 7-inch blast, D6 plus 4 hits. I thought that was pretty neat. And uh, to be fair, I kind of like this as as a blast rule to begin with. It takes a lot of the muss and fuss out of counting all the different models underneath the blast template. If you're hit, this is what you get. Can we take half a second uh, before diving too deep into this and talk mm -hmm. about this super goofy quote on the same page? Yeah. <laughs> uh, the spicula is the father of death. It's child, a rocket barrage to blot out the very stars. That's from uh, Perturabo, <laughs> Primarch of the Fourth Legion. Perturabo doesn't know how babies are made. It, he doesn't. It honestly sounded like, it, I don't know, like a remembrancer kicked in his door to his workshop and was like, Sir, we need a quote for this new rocket system so we can slap it on the packaging. Uh, um, He's um, just there tinkering with his little mechanical warhound gun. Ah, Fuck it. It's the father of death. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Is a rocket barrage. Thank you, sir. Just figure out the rest of it. I'll <laughs> sign my name to it. Doesn't matter. <laughs> and here we are. Uh, <clears throat> but yeah, out, out of these uh, weapons, I really like the Spicula system. And I was, honestly, the Morbus Bombard is still a pretty solid get. Oh, yeah. I'm very mm -hmm. biased. Uh, especially from my uh, time in the Solar Auxilian Militia, I see a demolisher cannon. I'm taking a demolisher cannon. The question I have here, the Legion Arquitor Bombard is 20 points more than a Vindicator with a demolisher cannon. Mm -hmm. Is it worth it with arguably worse armor? Um, Carcass shells it's got... can cause someone a bad time. And let's see, we got one extra hill point. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the bombard is barrage, which I believe the that vindicator is, is not. It so, is I, not. I think the extra hull point balances out the the lesser armor. Um, that's and right, that barrage, it's and then being able to throw the carcass shells in those situations it calls for, worth it. So the carcass shells are another interesting discussion for me. They seem like a firm middle finger to mortal armies and absolutely no one else. Oh, for sure. Uh, yes. Absolutely. <laughs> they, they are indeed a finger uh, to mortal armies and to uh, anything with a camo cloak or chameleon, right? Oh, yeah. Good. Yeah. Good point. Because, yeah, they're only like they're fleshbane, ignore cover pinning. And like somebody, somebody drops my recon, my recon squads in ruins, and somebody drops a strength ten AP two on them. They're laughing. And but here's also another downside of the bombard: it's a heavy tank, so you're only mm -hmm. pushing it six inches at a time. That is a good point. 
the nice thing with the Vindicator is you can get the old machine spirit on there. Right. And that puts it up to about 140. I... The Vindicator is a lot more mobile. On the other hand, where the Vindicator can get to the side around flare shields and whatnot, the Arquiter doesn't have to because it's barrage. Right. Yes. But honestly, uh, and I, I really want a couple of these because it seems very in theme for a 6th Legion assault tank. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That like, hey, what's your artillery tank? Oh, it's... it's He's right over there, you know, 24 inches away, because that's his maximum range. <laughs> Not waiting around. That slow, fat dude. It's like uh, a... No, I am going with the spicular rockets all day. So, yeah. Two? that just seems like the best thing. I do think that the Graviton Charge Cannon is just not that great. It doesn't really stand out at anything. And I feel like if you're shooting it at infantry... wire, Graviton Pulse. Yeah. If you're shooting it at infantry, the Spicula or the Morbus would have done you better anyway. If you're shooting it at a vehicle, it feels kind of like a waste because it's going to plink off one hull point from Haywire, which the explosive shells from the Bombard would have done better. And probably blown it up. Yeah. A chance at least. Haywire will get you (laughs) one hull point, but... It's not it's not getting that kill with, that the AP2 might get you. Yeah, and even if you do penetrate, it's still AP4, so you can't blow it up. Where, I mean, a Strength 10 AP2, yeah. I feel like, is going to do you better every single day of the week against vehicles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if I had to take a mm-hmm. choice between the two that I did not want to get hit by, it would be the explosive shell. Yeah, like, I mean, if you can do a bench press, you can yeah. pass a Strength check from a Grav Charge Cannon. Now, here's what I think is kind of interesting, though. And... Unlike the Termite, I can see where there's a little bit of confusion around how the Spicula rocket system works, because it's the only one of the options that doesn't have barrage. Yes. Uh, It just says Mm -hmm. choose a target point within range. It doesn't have to be on the model's base. Now, the confusion there comes from, does it have to be in line of sight? Because it's not a barrage weapon. Direct fire weapons need line of sight, but it also mm-hmm. says choose a target point within range. Is that where we're supposed to infer it means in range, not worrying I about line of sight? I kind of don't because a lot of times they will specify this... whether something has to be in line of sight if they have to choose a point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's true. Like for the, uh, what's the Volkite super heavy? It says, like, draw a line that's within range of and in line of sight. That is true. Normally, they do specify when you're just picking a point or drawing a line that it has to be within range and line of sight. And it does make sense, because, again, you're not targeting anything in specific. It, the fluff does say it's unguided. It's yeah. just pick a point and Hurl push the button. a number of rockets at that point. Now... I do like, that's how I always kind of thought, but I can kind of see the confusion from saying like, well, you can't, a point can't be within range if it's not in line of sight. But that aside... And that is, that is where I fall on this argument, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, with the other two very specifically having the barrage rule. Yes, and this and one this does one not. not. You need True. to have a point... And I think yeah. that's also 
to counter if we if we're getting like meta with how the rule <laughs> works, right? Mm-hmm. That's a good point. If if we, it's if, to counter the fact that you don't need to target a model, right? That too. This is already assuming when you throw that seven inch template down, you're going to be hitting units that you didn't have line of sight to, mm-hmm. and also like the fact that the other two do have barrage. Mm-hmm. If this had barrage, there would be no question. Yeah, no question. Yeah. Um, so, so I that think kind of, taking I barrage very, I think to me anyway, how, how I'll play it, is it very specifically is indicating to me, you got to pick a point that the tank can see. That is a good point. Yeah. Um, That's fair. And it doesn't have to be on a model. Because if it was, hey, choose a target within range... Like, ignore the note that the target point doesn't have to be in a model's base. It was mm-hmm. just choose a target within range. It must be something in line of sight. Yeah. Right? But because it's, if you, so, like, you couldn't make the argument when those words weren't there. You shouldn't really be able to make it when they are there. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, like, I, I see Jason's point. I see y'all's argument. I, no, I, I think you made a good argument. Can... I think I'm actually yeah. leaning on towards you now. Yeah, I kind of, like, don't agree with my previous point as much. All right, well, I was about to say that uh, this is a thing on which good men can disagree, but clearly not. And if you don't believe me, you're a fool. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, yeah, I would, you know, have the conversation with your opponent, certainly, because... You can see it the other way. I, I you got to kind of think about it and work through your options um, before you come down on what will now be called right thought. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you have to pick a point. Right. We here at the Remembrance Rose Retreat do not condone agreeing with fools. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. Um, well, I'm looking at the page, barrage I, on that honestly, weapon, barrage on this weapon, no, no barrage. barrage on this weapon. Mm-hmm. With that being said. Yeah, that makes sense to me. And I, I also think that this is going to be one that you'll have to be kind of gamey to want to pull it out. Yeah. Because um, you can throw out a 7-inch pie plate, and it hits every unit. Mm-hmm. So there, there's not going to be many units that are hiding out of line of sight of your tank that if you really want to hit them, you can't find something you know 5 inches away from the unit least, you know, closest to the edge of whatever was blocking your line. Um, oh, yeah, definitely. God, and I just love that, like, D6 plus four hits, and if you roll that six, whoop, you're out of ammo. Guess what, bro? I got two heavy bolters, and I'm still coming for you. <laughs> That's what I love. It, uh, it doesn't matter. Tank. I want three. It's all about the units. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you can hit more than a single unit, you've doubled mm-hmm. the firepower of this thing, which I love. That is kind of odd, though, because if you do hit more units with the 7-inch template, the more likely you are to roll that 6 and exhaust your ammo supply. Well, you only roll once, I'd imagine, right? I was saying each unit. Oh, do you? I believe you only roll once, oh. and it applies to all of them. Yeah. Suffers a number of hits based on the blast well, markers. Well? Such as blast markers. Huh. Actually? They don't specify, yeah. do they? Each unit under the Each blast marker's the final position. I kind of assumed once, but it's... Based on the blast marker size. No, I, I think it is once. I think it is once, because it's... Okay, I have that... determined that there are three units under my blast marker. I roll a D6 plus four. They are each hit with that. Okay, that makes more sense, yeah. I think. I, I feel like that's how I would roll, but... Yeah. 
That feels like it makes you're sense. Because you're still only because uh... keep in mind the vi- from a meta perspective or non-meta perspective, the tank fired once anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're not throwing out multiple blasts. You're not, but it will also make sense that each unit hit wouldn't get hit by the same number of rockets. True. Yeah, I could see the argument. <laughs> to... All right, this bombard is just, it's oh. its too contentious with the rockets. Just <laughs> take a demolisher. But, yeah, it's, it's still kind of a toss-up with a Vindicator in some respects, but it's just different enough to where it's still a viable option, I think. I do like the additional versatility of being able to choose the explosive or the carcass shells. True, which you don't have with the Vindicator. Yeah, but again, I'm really biased. Like, it's not (laughs) a choice for me between one of the weapon systems. It's going to be the heavy bombard every time. It's Mm. just the choice of shells. Gotcha. Yeah, because at that point, Fleshbane versus a Strength 10 weapon... See, I was thinking for just a second, like maybe, oh, you could fire carcass shells at like, you know, Thalax and Ursarax, but then it's like, no, that it would ignore their armor and wound them on a two and maybe pin them if they're not order reductor, but then you could just instant death them with the uh, strength 10 anyway, which is really the only thing (laughs) Thalax fear is strength 10 AP2 templates. Mm. Like, las cannons, don't care. Bolters it's like a warm spring rain just do not care but that medusa or that vindicator that is like a hate crime against that axe (laughs) which i mean again i'm a little biased my first nearest and dearest army is and always will be mechanicum (laughs) so i have strong feelings about anti-mechanicum technology But still, don't take the Graviton charge. Yeah, it's just... <laughs> I just I feel bad because it's unique, but it just really doesn't have anything that would set it... It's a little too unique. Yeah. Not enough to really make it versatile on the field. Yeah. But... Sad trombone. Yeah, either the Heavy Bombard or the Spicula system. I don't think you can go wrong either way. Especially with that AP3 on the Spicula rockets. But hey, a uh, slide whistle in the other direction, because now we get to talk about the Duradio. Yeah. Moving on to the Duradio Pattern Dreadnought. Oh, no. Are we both going to pronounce it a different way? Yes. Okay, that's fair. Take I it will, away. I will change back and <laughs> forth constantly. Rather than being a general assault unit like others of its kind, the Duradio Pattern Dreadnought is a dedicated heavy weapons platform intended to combine superior firepower with the flexibility and durability of the Dreadnought chassis. Originally used as a testbed platform for a number of advanced Legionis Astartes weapon system, each Duradio Pattern Dreadnought is operated by mortally wounded veterans of the Legion hardwired into its support life systems, combining their hard-won wisdom with the Dreadnought's lethal heavy weaponry. Deployed in limited numbers to each of the legions, the Dorito was treated as a special unit as it proved highly resource-intensive to manufacture and maintain. Despite this, its undoubted survivability and killing power saw a resurgence in the pattern's use after the initial wave of internecine strife during the Horus Heresy, and it was in high demand by traitor and loyalist forces alike from the few Forge worlds able to produce it. 
All right, these guys are cool. We've had them for a while, but this takes like all of those special like patterns and upgrades and weapon systems and concisely sticks them in one kind of big unit profile. So uh, just like a Mortis Dreadnought, he is weapon skill four, ballistic skill five, uh, strength six, front armor, side armor, rear armor, 13, 12, 11, respectively. Initiative four, because that occasionally matters, one attack, three hull points. Uh, Adamantic shielding, just like a normal dreadnought. Helical targeting array, just like a Mortis Contemptor dreadnought. Uh, so we start off with one single twin-linked anvilus pattern autocannon battery, which is exceptional. I love these. Uh, Torso-mounted twin-linked heavy bolter, smoke launcher, searchlight, extra armor. Uh, so, uh, note that single weapon systems encompass both autocannon mounts, and it may be disabled by a single weapon destroyed result. That's like, I feel like the one downside of the Duretio. Yeah. Is you get that one bad weapon destroyed, and you're like, oh, not the autocannon, not the autocannon, not the autocannon. Whew, heavy bolter. <laughs> um, so, you can exchange this autocannon for a single twin-linked Hellfire plasma cannonade, a Volkite falconet battery, a single Arachnus Heavy Las Cannon battery for 35, 20, or 50 points, respectively. You can exchange your twin heavy bolter for a twin heavy flamer. No idea why you'd want to. I would be worried in case you're worried about danger close charging. That is Wall a good fire. point. They can use them for uh, Wall of Death because Dreadnoughts can not reaction fire. What am I thinking of? Overwatch. Overwatch, yep. Reaction fire is Overwatch in a Zone Mortalis setting. Uh, the Duretio can be equipped with Armored Ceramite. Uh, I don't know that you'd want to pay 20 points for that. Uh, and the Duretio may be equipped with one of the following Carapace weapon systems. The Ilos Missile Launcher, the unsung hero of the Duretio. Mm-hmm. Man, they're terrific. Uh, Atomatic Pavases or four Boreas Air Defense Missiles. So, uh, for 35, 50, and 24 points such a weird number like i get that the missiles are six points each but why are they six points each why are they not five (laughs) points each it's it's like those few holdout units it's like oh pay seven points for a combi weapon why stop it quit (laughs) quit doing that it jacks up my army building and i'm sick of seeing like 1998 (laughs) points at the end of a stupid army list cut it out um so uh, flipping on over to the next page, that adamantic shielding is exactly the same as for a contemptor. Five up and vulnerable against shooting, six up in combat. Uh, oh, and if he explodes, uh, he adds plus one to the radius. Nobody really cares about that. Uh, the Duretio, uh next down has the helical targeting ray. So this is pretty cool. Just like a mortis. Uh, Gain Skyfire and Interceptor if you neither move nor run, uh, which is good. Uh, do remember that this is not like the Arcus, unfortunately. Uh, Dreadnoughts do have a line of sight. Um, they do not have a 360 like a infantry model. Uh, so it is possible for a canny opponent to bring in a aerial model outside of the Duretio's line of sight, uh, something to be aware of. Now, you can stick them in a corner 
and get a pretty good coverage, uh, especially with the ranges of some of the weapons you're going to be working with, uh, but something to keep in mind. So um, I find it interesting, not that it really matters, but they got rid of the, uh, the little section that says that it's optional and should be declared by the controlling player at the beginning of the turn for the uh, targeting array. Yeah, that's true. I think the Contemptor Mortis still has that wording, like way back in the uh, Age of Darkness. I'd have book. to check. I'd, I haven't seen a Mortis in a while. Right? <laughs> People don't seem to take them anymore. Oh, and you got a Derradeo. Yeah, I think it. <laughs> they're not that expensive, and they're just kind of flat better in a lot of ways. Mm. Uh, so, some of these really sweet weapon options. Um, the Arachnus Heavy Las Cannon Battery. So, 48-inch range. Did you uh, hit the autocannon? Oh, yep. derp. Autocannon. My bad. Uh, well, it's formatted weird. It's down at the bottom. <laughs> it uh, is. The autocannon, 48-inch range, strength 8, AP4, heavy 4, sunder. Every day of the week. I love the Anvilus. It's uh, solid. Yeah. Sunder's great. You can glance AV14 with a halfway decent chance. Anything under that, you're just going to plink whole points off one after another. You're essentially... An Anvilus autocannon battery is a license to delete a predator a turn. It's great. Uh, the Arachnus heavy last cannon battery, 48-inch uh, range, strength 10, AP2, heavy 2, exoshock. Now this I really enjoy. I like them too. The It's pricey. It is pricey. But it the is... one I had for the longest time almost took out its points every mm -hmm. single game. Mm -hmm. Like you're one-shotting Spartans and Land Raiders. Yeah. It is, it is heavy, it's not ordnance, and it is AP2. Exoshock is pretty exceptional. That's mm -hmm. the uh, special rule. If you get a penetrating hit, you automatically cause a second penetrating nope. hit. Uh, you roll a d6 and a four up, you automatically get a second pen uh, penetrating hit. That ignores cover. That is pretty nice. A 50-50 to just get an extra whole point off especially with ap2 that gives you another chance for that explosion yeah and like i said with um yeah because it's heavy too you're only going to get one extra but a lot of vehicles are only three whole points to begin with mm -hmm. so you can one shot rhinos and pre and most of your medium armor stuff again with a relative uh good chance of taking them out yeah especially at strength 10 the downside here which i don't like as much. You are ballistic skill 5, but the last cannon battery and the Volkite Falconouts are not twin-linked, where the Anvilus and the Hellfire Plasma Cannonade are. Ooh. And that is a downside. Huh. Because they specifically say one twin-linked Anvilus pattern autocannon battery. You are correct. But yeah, the Falconet and the last cannons are not twin-linked. Your ballistic skill 5, which isn't that big of a deal but it's a one in six instead of a one in 36 that you're gonna miss <laughs> now i do think that makes the next one down the volkite falconet really hard to recommend because huh. you're 30 inch range shorter than anything else your strength 7 ap5 heavy 6 deflagrate pinning the pinning is nice but your ap5 your heavy 6 which is nice but you're only a 30-inch range. I wonder if they meant to have that twin-linked, because if you look at the options, it specifically calls out single mm -hmm. plasma twin-linked plasma cannonade 
Volkite battery, single Arachnus battery. It's a possibility. I'm... It's weird. <laughs> single and twin-linked at the same time with the Hellfire Plasma. Mm-hmm. What single twin-linked as opposed to one twin-linked. I'm not sure what's going on there. I, I know the single is to designate the fact it's a single weapon system that is destroyed by the same weapon destroyed result. Yeah. Uh, the Volkite Falconet battery does not have that. I'm almost wondering if it mi- was supposed to be like a Volkite Falconet battery is one side and you have two of them. So it's really two batter two, two firing thi- two separate weapons. So 12 shots, but not twin linked, which for 20 points compared like because right weird. now <laughs> it is weird right now like i do not see any reason you'd ever take the falconet over the anvilus it's 20 points more expensive it's way shorter range the strength is worse the ap is worse you get pinning but you're losing that super super consistent strength eight with four shots and sunder yeah um the hellfire plasma cannonade i can see where you might want to go with this it's a little expensive uh at 35 points but it's a 36 inch range uh strength 7 ap2 and it's either heavy four or heavy one gets hot large blast um these are pretty nice they are twin linked and against against something like terminators I think you're essentially swapping your medium vehicle annihilating potential for heavy infantry potential. And I think it does a slightly worse job at killing heavy infantry than it does at, oh, again, I'm biased. I love the Anvilus autocannons, <laughs> but they just absolutely mow through medium vehicles. Yeah, but again, twin-linked, it's still a solid get. I feel like this has a lot more of versatility especially if you maximal fire right even though it gets hot it's still twin linked yeah i mean so it's a little different for templates with a get hot that you just roll a flat d6 that's true before you uh put the template down that's right that's right it doesn't care but it's a one in six chance you're probably not gonna do it now uh the one the weapon system i absolutely love Every single day of the week, the ILOS missile launcher. Oh, yeah. So it's a 60-inch range, strength 6, AP3, heavy 3 pinning. Uh, and independent tracking. It's yes. formatted weird. <laughs> it is formatted weird. And the combination of pinning, uh, a 60-inch range, and independent tracking just puts this way over the top, in my opinion. So independent tracking is it can fire at a different target to that of the Duretio's other shooting attacks if desired and ignores intervening obstacles to line of sight in open terrain. Uh, when firing at vehicles, it attacks their side armor value. So why didn't it just say barrage? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good question. I'm uh, sure there's some specific reason for that. but Well... Well, I don't know if there's any other barrage weapon that doesn't have a um, template attached to it. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. You can shoot barrage weapons out of line of sight, but then you don't get to subtract your ballistic skill from the scatter roll because you're essentially firing blind. I don't know how that you would do that if you're just rolling ballistic skill to hit. Mm Mm-hmm. But independent tracking is really terrific because essentially you can just antagonize a completely different 
infantry squad and it is magnificent to use against like uh astartes heavy support squads that are you know camped out in ruins or something Uh because it ignores that cover plinks a dude or two off and forces them to take a pinning check and as i have said time and time again ad nauseum blind and pinning are two of my favorite special rules in the world uh, because people will 100% tell you, uh, leadership doesn't make a difference because just vexillas all the time. Uh, Astartes are leadership nine. They will fail a leadership check and stuff like assault squads or heavy support squads don't get vexillas. So they don't get that reroll. Uh, people are not expecting their heavy support squads sitting in the back plinking at things with las cannons. Las cannons you outrange, I might add, uh, with the ILOs. Uh, don't expect them to have to take a lot of leadership checks in the first place. Mm. So, yeah, that ILOS, absolutely, all day, every single day. The only thing I don't like is it's not like a machine spirit. Um, it doesn't allow you to fire it completely independently, like if you're shaken or stunned. Right. And I don't... Are Dreadnoughts two or three weapon systems? I'm used to the Automata, like the Castellax can fire three weapon systems. I think a Dreadnought can only fire two. Walkers can fire all their weapons in the shooting phase. Oh, excellent. So you're well, set. never mind. Uh, yeah, fire it impunity. Um, that just makes it better. <laughs> so, uh, tell me what you think of these Boreas air defense missiles besides their wonky points that irritate army list building. <laughs> All right, let's see. We can take up to, uh, well, we take four. 48-inch mm-hmm. uh, range. Eh. Strength eight, AP two. Heavy one, heat seeker, independent tracking, one use. Interesting. Uh, let's see. Independent tracking, we know. Heat seeker, jink saves may not be taken against attacks with this special rule. Pretty nice. Um, one use. Does that okay, so you fire one at a time. You only fire one per turn. Can you only fire one per turn? Well it's heavy one. Oh, you're right, it is heavy one. So you have, to, you have four. But, so it'll take you four turns to fire all of them. Wait, hang on. Is that how it works on like because like um uh what are the uh lightning fighters? Yeah. Like a Kraken penetrator is heavy one, but they can fire a whole bunch of them. Uh is it Hang on, because it's four Boreas air defense missiles. And you get four of them that are one use each, and I think they're each heavy one. Does... You know what? That makes sense, because like I just said, walkers can fire all their weapons. Yeah. So if you're given four, yep, that makes sense. That tracks. Okay. That tracks. That makes... Yeah, that makes... makes a whole it... lot more sense, too. Yeah. <laughs> it makes it a lot... Oh, can't wait for the next turn where I can fire my second one. <laughs> I'll get you one day. So instead, just wait for that one dumb, like, Storm Eagle to come in when it with its, like, you know, slow, chunky-ass cart and a whole bunch of, like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, expensive models and blow it out of the air with these things because it can't jink. Right. Um. So let's see. Heat Seeker, Jinx Save, Heavy One. It's an interesting weapon. I like it. I think I find it's funny that you don't have to actually target. It doesn't have Skyfire, but you have the helical targeting array, so it doesn't mm-hmm, matter. Mm-hmm. Um, this would be hilarious to fire at some Praetors and just annihilate them for the <laughs> hilarity of it. Yeah, just for kicks. Um, it does. It's do, it does its job better against aircraft 
as opposed to the missile launcher for sure. Much. But the thing that gets me, though, is I don't feel like they do that much better of a job than the Anvilus autocannons. <laughs> Back to the autocannons. I'm That's, just, yeah, AP4 versus AP2, I'd, heavy four sunder. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'd much rather, because they don't have sunder. If but they keep had in mind, sunder, these are the ones that are on top. Yes. So you can still have your, uh, still have your main guns. That is true, fire and engage something different. Because that's independent tracking. If you had the ILOs and the autocannons, you could fire at the aircraft coming in with the autocannons and use the ILOs on something different. True. The Sunder is nice. The Sunder is really nice. I really like, I mean, in a game of averages, you want to scoot every dice roll as hard as you can in your own. But this also prevents jinking as well. That is true. It does prevent jinking, which kind of, on average, knocks off 50% of whatever penetrating hits you're going to get. But when you only have one-use weapons, you kind of need that, too. You do. I don't like—I personally hate weapons that I run out of, and you can run out of these pretty quick. Yeah. You can get a little over-exuberant and fire off all four at one aircraft. Yeah. And I'll just take the last cannon battery and just— ping that storm eagle out of the air and blow it up yeah now <laughs> i think these are carapace mounted i'm not 100 percent sure but i do think the carapace mount has a 360 um degree arc yeah i believe so yes so that At is least my uh, the missile launcher i have on mine is 360 swivel yeah so. so i mean if anybody wants to argue that just show them the practical application <laughs> So that is really helpful with both the ILOs and the Boreas air defense missiles, mm-hmm. is you don't have to worry about that itty little you know, forty-five I, degree angle, which really bites. It yeah, it's 90? just a V. It's yeah. Oh yeah, you're right. It's a ninety, but it's effectively forty-five left or right. Yeah. Um, oh, that's another terrific thing about the ILOs. Uh, somebody, it's a sixty-inch range and in independent tracking with three hundred and sixty degrees. So. Uh, when you have Interceptor and Skyfire, you don't have to shoot at um, at aircraft. Uh, you can 100% intercept some poor squad that just, like, outflanked, knock one or two off, and pin them. Yeah. That, that's terrific. But, yeah, I feel like there's an Xbox achievement there with firing the air defense missiles at a Praetor. Mm-hmm. And just Absolutely. killing it one shot. <laughs> Oh, good times. But, yeah, the Daredevil, I love it. I wish you could take more than one in a slot. Yeah. That's one of the biggest failings I feel it has. That, but it's I, fair, too, because it, it's a beast. If you took three of these in a slot... Yeah, it's like a Talon. Oh. Would be a little over the top. But then we have Leviathans that can be taken in threes, too, so... Yeah, but I feel like Leviathans are overdone. It's that four-up invuln, though, that really makes them worth it. <laughs> they have a great four-up invuln when they're not yours. Right. <laughs> it's a much worse invuln on a four-up when they're your own leviathans, especially mm. if you're trying to get rid of, like, an immobilized result. <laughs> then they might as well be non-existent. That's fair. All right, moving on to the last two we have here. All right, uh, the Aurochs here... Uh, I can save us all a lot of time. Yeah, go for it. Uh, it's a Rhino. It should have a capacity of 12. 
and it's not. It's tin, so it is dead to me. <laughs> Everything I said about the termite and its transport capacity of 12 is what the aurochs should have. It should be 12. It's not, and that makes it almost useless. True. I'm, I really, really hate to say that because... I feel like instantly people bitch about any new model on the internet, and I try not to be internet people, but it really needed to be 12. Mm. If it was 12, it'd be the Rhino, the Solar Auxilia, and the Militia Deserve. But sadly, it is not. Explorator Adaption. What is that? Uh, that... Oh, here it is, over on the right-hand side. Oh, yeah, those are fun. It's something the uh, Solar Auxilia gets. Um it's essentially a dozer blade combined with a six-up and vulnerable save against any template weapons. Okay. It's really, it's <laughs> really nice. Yeah, it's kind of neat. Uh, the cult and militia one is 10 points less and does not have it's an explorer adaptation. 25 points. Wow. Yeah. That's as cheap as they come. Right? That is less points than Astartes pay for a Hussar bike. <laughs> fun comparison right sadly they cannot have snub rotor cannons they just no. have a single heavy stubber or a heavy flamer if you want to put that five points <laughs> you don't just you don't all right but yeah that's pretty much all there is to say about the aurochs they could have been so much better sad slide whistle and immediately turn that slide whistle around the other direction because <laughs> we're going to talk about the Carnadon, and I have so many feelings about these guys. So the Carnadon is a versatile medium battle tank, <laughs> uh, which acted as the linchpin for many of the storied successes of the Imperial Army during the Great Crusade. Damn straight. As a premier mobile fire platform, <laughs> I think is really stretching it. Uh, it was regularly adapted to combat a wide variety of foes and respond to any number of battlefield conditions. Its single response is autocannons. <laughs> it can respond to tons of conditions, but its only response is autocannons, to be clear. Um, at Gamma in Cunablar, a squadron of the 43rd Veridin Carnadons, fitted with Laz weaponry, brought down the first of the great Bessemechanic Beasts, uh, which had subjugated that world, their concentrated firepower surpassing even the Predator tanks of the Third Legion, <laughs> suck on that, Fulgrim, to punch through the vast creature's thick metallic hide. On Hectoon, the third Saturnine Rams... Earned... I mean, that's... Sorry, that's like saying, like, oh, check out my 50-man squadron we're out shooting this uh two uh, who space marines over here guys right same amount of points look at that victory <laughs> <laughs> oh man on hectoon the third saturnine rams earn their reputation as the incinerators of the solar auxilia not to be confused with the incinerator lehman russ uh, when their carnadons, fitted entirely with Volkite weaponry, were used to strategically ignite the hydrogen-rich vents of the Fenheim's tunnel structures, eradicating the foul Xenos within. Strategically. Strategically. I think they hit them by accident. They did. Because <laughs> God knows they're not hitting stuff normally. 
Uh, the battle tank was foremost of many initiatives undertaken to exploit the modular design of the relatively new Orox chassis by creating variants based on it. Because by itself, it's garbage. <laughs> Uh, during the early years of the Great Crusade, it rapidly became a byword for conquest amongst the expeditionary <laughs> fleets, a legacy that led to the production of the dedicated Imperial battle tanks of latter days. That's spectacular. <laughs> As the Great Crusade moved ever outwards and supply of the Orox chassis peaked, it is thought that many Carnadon tanks entered a strategic reserve and were distributed to muster worlds behind the front lines with over 200,000 examples thought to have been stored pending secondary mobilization in the Warrens <laughs> under Talarn. And <laughs> Nearly that's, a quarter million of these things just... And that's why Talarn was a shit show, because <laughs> they just left these stuck in and packing peanuts <laughs> in some garage somewhere. Boy, I wish we had the Carnadons. Right? Because <laughs> let me tell you guys, this I have a single Carnadon in my 2,500-point Survivors of the Dark Age militia, and that little guy is doing the work every single game. <laughs> so uh, they are Ballistic Skill 3, Front Side and Rear Armor 12, Ballistic 11, Skill 10. 3. Yep. <laughs> awesome. I'm used to it. Uh, three hull points, and it's a squadron of one to three. Uh, now, this is the Solar Auxilia version, a little bit different from the Imperialis Militia version. So the Solar Auxilia version is 65 points. Uh, you start with a Volkite Culverin, and you have two Sponson-mounted Volkite Calivers. Uh, that's pretty great. Sure. Uh, you've got the Explorator adaptation as well. Now, here... Uh, you start with Volkite weaponry and that Explorator adaptation, and you're 65 points. The Militia version starts with a twin-linked autocannon and two Sponson Heavy Flamers, 60 points. Hmm. So apparently that Explorator adaptation is only worth 5 points when it's this magnificent tiny tank. So uh, the Saturnine pattern is specifically the Solar Auxilia pattern. Uh, you can take extra armor probably not worth it, uh, you can exchange its Volkite Culverin for the following options. You've got twin-linked multilaser, twin-linked autocannon, twin-linked las cannon for 5, 5, and 20 points. Now, keep in mind the original Volkite Culverin, not twin-linked, unfortunately. That's kind of the only downside there. Uh, mm -hmm. Your sponsons uh, with Volkite Calivers can be exchanged for heavy flamers, heavy bolters, multilasers, autocannons, or las cannons. Uh, don't take heavy bolters or flamers because they're two points. And again, those weird point numbers just jack up your... <laughs> jack up your list. Jack up your army builder. Uh, multi-lasers are five points. Uh, Autocannons, 10. And last cannons are 30. That's a whole bunch. Mm -hmm. uh, probably do not want to load this little guy down with last cannons because that is almost its own points cost over again. <laughs> It is 65 points. Loading it down with las cannons is 50 points. Probably don't want no, to do that. It sets a two, so it would still, it's uh, 30 points. Yeah. And you get two. 30 points, but then the twin-linked las cannon for the uh, turret. Oh, 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 I got you, I got you, got you. Yeah, 50 points of las. <laughs> yeah, that's probably not worth it. It does give it a 48-inch range, so you can just kind of park it. And I don't know. For the solar auxilia pattern... 
I'm not as big a fan because you've got access to Malkadors, you've got access to Lehman Russes. Uh, the heavy support Lehman Russes, which these compete with, are spectacular. The uh, incinerators are amazing. Uh, the Lehman Russes in the uh, Solar Auxilia, uh, not only do they have four hull points instead of three, uh, but their Volkite demi-culverins are better than a normal Volkite culverin. They are twin-linked stock. And when you have more than one tank and they both fire at the same thing, which they have to do because they're a squadron, you get plus one ballistic skill. So, and then also you get the option for like a tank ace uh, and an HQ choice, which can give them other special options like uh, preferred enemy infantry is a big one. I don't think these are super worth it in Solar Auxilia. However, Carnadons in Militia are spectacular because they come stock with a twin-linked autocannon and for 10 points oh no excuse me for five points uh you get sponson autocannons and that gives you three autocannons one of which is twin-linked for 65 points and i love these guys because as tiny as they are they're still tanks and they can tank shock stuff. And again, people will tell you that leadership tests like fear or tank shock never make a difference, but they absolutely do. Now, you may do it one time and they pass, but that doesn't mean it doesn't make a difference. You use tank shock like you should and force the squad to take multiple tank shock tests or multiple squads to take tank shock tests, and it is absolutely worth the price and pain of setting it up on top of which they can uh, with three little autocannons you can park them in a happy little bunker uh, give them a four-up cover save which makes them way more resilient than you'd think there would be yeah they're small so finding 25 percent cover is not hard oh yeah it is not hard at all they are smaller than a rhino and frankly they're adorable and i love them for it <laughs> uh i take a single Carnadon, uh, in lieu of an extra Medusa, I might add. Really? <laughs> yeah. In my militia, I could have three Medusa. Uh, I don't. I have uh, two uh, independent Medusas and then one Carnadon for my heavy support, and I would not change a thing. I love this little guy. He has done so much work for me. <laughs> uh, actually, more from running stuff over with tank shocks than from actually shooting anything. I... The shooting is essentially a bonus that if he does some, do something with it, great. Uh, if he doesn't, I didn't expect him to anyway. <laughs> uh, he has killed a custodian by uh, getting power fisted and then exploding and causing two wounds to a squad of five, which, you know, he did not manage to hot potato that wound to somebody else, and it killed a single custodian. <laughs> and I think Worth that... It. Yeah, I think that custodian was actually more points than he was. So, depending on war gear, it could very well be easily. So, Carnadons, guys, don't immediately dismiss them because they're ballistic skill three, front armor twelve. Yes, it's a tiny, cheaper predator, uh, but I mean, it's cannon fluff that they are better than at least third legion predators. It's in the box right there. Give them a try. 
I know it's a little frustrating that they're a kind of expensive from Forge World, uh, but I got one and I absolutely love him and I'll never give him up. And if you try it, I can almost guarantee that you will love your Carnadon as much as I do mine. There you go. And with that, that concludes our coverage of the generic units and book nine. I want to thank Jason and Austin for being here. He had Austin had to scoot out a little bit, but we appreciate him being on the show. And if uh, you like this episode, if you like this episode and would like to hear more from us, be sure to check out our website at rr30k.com. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you find podcasts at, at Remembrancers Retreat. You can join our Discord server, link in the description over in our podcast notes. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at rr30k podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at Remembrancers underscore retreat. And if you really enjoy our program and would like to support us, go over to patreon.com forward slash rr30k podcast and become a patron today. We definitely appreciate everyone who has done so. I want to start with our Legion Praetors, Alex Self, Luke Rizzuto, Nicholas Quanga, Jacob Dillon, Matthew Boyce, Mr. Baldwick, Gurner.Tree of Woe, Joe from Music City Heresy, and Chris Mack. Our Legion Centurions, we have Queen Corswain, M. Tanzer, Scott LeMay, Andrew N., Black Label Painting, The Original Applesauce, Angry Boy, and John Christensen. And finally, our Legion Sergeants, who do I call myself? Nicholas Gillen, Aaron Maynard, Garrett Lowe, Duncan, and Emily O'Hare. Once again, thank you all so much for your support. We greatly appreciate it. And that's it for this episode, guys. If you uh, enjoyed it, be sure to let us know. Uh, share a podcast with uh, your friends, your family. That's all I got for tonight. Jason? Well, it is always a treat for me to... Uh return to the mother cast and i'm not gonna lie i love how my voice sounds in person getting an actual honest to god microphone and <laughs> not having to fight with my ipad because apple doesn't like recording software mm. but we'll figure it out one day it's been a treat <laughs> thanks for having me back at the mother cast well, it's good to have you jason and until next time keep those dice rolling bye for now